In my septuagenarian years, I've noticed I can remember certain public figures when they were younger. Years ago, for instance, I served on a board at the National Cathedral in Washington. A new colleague there was the rector of a Baltimore parish. He was an African-American man. The name was Michael Curry. Michael later became the Bishop of North Carolina and today is, of course, the presiding bishop of the U.S. Episcopal Church. The day we met, it was cold in Washington, and being a parish priest myself, I asked him, Michael, are you ready for the Christmas season? Indeed, said he, and I'm putting Herod back in Christmas. Kind of a reminder of the real world we live in, and also, I imagine, a protest against escapist sentimentality. Luke tells us much about the real world. He mentions Herod, ruler of Rome in Galilee. Herod was a troubled man. We know from non-Christian sources that he had major marital difficulties as he had difficulties relating to women in general. He was manipulated into chopping off the head of John the Baptist and ended up being banished to the northern part of the Roman Empire in Gaul. Herod had a half-brother, Philip, also mentioned by Luke in today's Gospel. Among other colorful things, Philip the Tetrarch married his own niece, Salome. Marriage among first cousins and uncles apparently being common in the Herodian dynasty. Pontius Pilate also is introduced in today's gospel. As the text says, Pilate was governor of Judea under Emperor Tiberius. We tend to know him because Pilate, of course, presided over the trial of Jesus. What is not generally known is that Pilate chronically irritated a number of his Jewish subjects by certain insensitive habits and legal rigidity, such that eventually he was tried in Rome for cruelty and oppression. He killed himself under orders from the Emperor Caligula. Presiding over the melange of troubled and troubling people, 
was the Roman Emperor Tiberius. Tiberius's reign was actually admirable until his last 10 years when something changed and he instituted in his final decade a reign of terror. All these political leaders, possibly like a few we know, had complex issues, as it is said. It could be no accident that Luke named each of them in order to emphasize the troubled real-world context into which something qualitatively new was breaking. The word of God had come to a wild man in the wilderness who called people to get serious in a distracted environment about godly things. It is past time to implement the agenda of God, he said, to care for the poor and the oppressed. And somewhere in his audience, Jesus of Nazareth heard and heeded John, submitting himself to baptism by John, called a baptism of repentance, refocusing. In our own distracted years, it's worth hoping that we will really get the divine will for justice, meaning the solidarity of all people. Only this will save the world. Taking this agenda seriously, John the Baptizer wanted to tell us means turning away from the usual frolics and detours and instead repositioning, reorienting ourselves to godly priorities. As the Bible puts it in one word, repenting. And let the people say, Amen. Oh,